For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. The college football regular season is coming up to an end, and uh, the last few weeks of the NFL have been quite unpredictable. Um, as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for NFL and college football action this fall. With a new website and even more odds, props, bets, contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to our new updated website, mobily or on your desktop. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus using promo code Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive the bonus. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Episode 60 of the podcast welcomes Luke Gaddis, founder of One-on-One Kicking Northeast. Luke, it is an honor to have you on the show. How you doing, man? Feeling good. Thank you for having me. It's nice connecting with you once again. I've known Luke Gaddis for a long time. I was actually going to have you help me do the math real quick. I, I want to say it's at least 12 years I, I've known you. It's 2021, and I was trying to look at your career today. You ended college football, what, 10 or 10, 11? 08 season was my final season at Stony Brook University. And then when did you begin with one-on-one? I'm just curious. 2010, 2000, like 2009, like 2010. Okay, so yeah, so, so 12 years. I've known you for 12 years. Wow, I feel old. You met at that Ohio State camp. Yeah, so it it's just why I love to do this show. For those listening, wondering why I do it, uh, it's definitely not for the money. It's uh, it's, it's more for the reconnecting and the networking and just just talking about things I've always wanted to talk about with the people I want to talk about them with. So you know, Luke's just a guy that I have been in, like he mentioned, Ohio State. We've been uh, to places in the United States that I've never heard of. I'll never go back. You know, and everyone in between, you know, and it's always been related to kicking, punting, snapping and our passion for special teams. So I'm really excited to have uh, Luke on the show today. And I'm going to start by talking about your your playing career, which I know very little about, to be honest, other, other than the obvious and, and things you did um, highlights wise. But you were a specialist at Stony Brook University from 2005 to 2008, as you mentioned. And I noticed that you tied the school's uh, field goal record as a true freshman. But what I really want to talk about before Stony Brook is what transpired in high school. You know, I saw that you were a baseball player. I saw you ran track. Can you tell us how you ended up at Stony Brook to kick and punt? And what were the major influences um, that brought you away from other sports? So ended up at Stony Brook, uh, you know, obviously through the whole recruiting process. Being in high school, you start off like most people, majority of people, you start off playing soccer. And... Uh, I think just one random day, someone asked if I wanted to try kicking and needed a kicker. So freshman year in high school, hopped on for a little, I guess, quote unquote, tryout. I was the only one. They liked it. They liked what they saw and they brought me on. That was pretty cool. So, you know, I carried through, uh, ended up playing varsity from ninth grade to 12th grade. 
And then uh, obviously towards the end, when you get into your seniors, it's totally different today than it was years ago. You got recruit like a lot of guys just got locked into schools like just, you know, a couple months before signing day. It wasn't like this process where a lot of kickers are getting offers in 10th and 11th grade. Uh, we're going to the university camps. It was a little different back then, as you know. Um, was getting recruited by Hofstra, Maine, New Hampshire, Stony Brook, even Georgia Tech was in there through a connection from my high school. Um, you know, ended up at Stony Brook. Um, it was a close one between Stony Brook, Maine, and New Hampshire. New Hampshire had offered a quarter scholarship and obviously had to earn the rest. Stony Brook had some um, some financial offer there as well. And Maine, I think, was also a quarter as well. Um, ended up at Stony Brook. They pursued me the hardest. They pursued me the hardest. It was nice. It was kind of close to home, up-and-coming program. Um, coaches were all about it. Like the, One of the things I preach, and we'll get into I'm sure later, is go where you want it, not where you want to go. And, man, they, they wanted me. They pursued me. They did everything they could to get me. It worked. I ended up there. Um, like I said, just it was a whole combination of things that made me end up at Stony Brook, something I don't regret to this day. Um, but, yeah, it was an interesting process. Again, totally different today than it was when I was going through the process. I love what you said. There's a lot of things I like, um, but I want to I want to really stress what you said about going and playing where you're wanted, not where you want to. And uh, I think that we all fall victim to that. We all have a favorite team, not all of us, but typically we, we grow up in a regional team is really good in your area. Uh, here in my area of the country, it's the Florida State Seminoles and the Florida Gators typically, especially in the 90s, early 2000s. And I just, for whatever reason, my first experience was the Orange Bowl, you know, the Miami Hurricanes. I went in like 1992 when I was 10 years old and I fell in love with Warren Sapp and then those boys. And when I went back to Daytona Beach, I never looked back. I I had a dream to play at Miami. Do I have regrets of committing to Miami? Sometimes because there were schools like Arizona and Washington State that begged and pleaded for me to come. You'll start right away. Um, I did fortunately play right away at Miami, um, but it was only by mistake. It was through an injury. It was through a concussion on a kickoff by our junior kicker. So I played week one, but had he not been hurt, I probably would not have touched the field that year. Um, and that's why I looked at your career. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. You made a better decision. Um, their plan right away was for you to make an impact. And it was evident that you got playing time in two different roles. Um, you got to kick some field goals. You got to kick off. What I noticed, though, about your career was each year you had added responsibility. Um, you played in every game, obviously, but you ended up being a punter, too. You know, you ended up doing everything. And that's something I never had the experience of. Um, so could you talk a little bit about this transition from a kickoff and field goal specialist in college to having to do all three? Uh, did you place an equal amount of emphasis on punting and kicking in high school? I mean, how, how are you prepared for this college experience to do all three? And how did your focus shift when you had to do all three? In the high school, I should both. I mean, they, they, it's, it's tough to answer because, again, back then, different, just a different playing field back then. I mean, hell, I wish I had, I wish I had the information I have, have today. I wish I had it then because I'd be a totally different person. But again, that's where you learn as a person, as an individual. I learn from my own success and failures, and I pass on that knowledge to the current crop I work with now. So back then in high school, there was actually absolutely no structure. It was just come kick, come punt, and get the hell out of here. Like it was whatever. Like 
we're on, and I'm on the sideline playing golf or trying to punt the ball into a garbage can and making, making bets with the team on the sideline. So in, in college, it was obviously, obviously at a division one program, much more structured. Um, luckily for me, my senior year, I was kind of forced into it. The scholarship kid coming in to replace me when I left was just, wasn't ready. And they kind of saw me screwing around the sideline and like three days before the game, they were like, guess what you're doing? You're punting. So the structure was, it was, it was nice because the coach wanted two things out of me, 40 yard average, no returns. It's all he cared about. He wanted, he wanted the ball. He wanted no directional. He wanted a thing to hang up there, no return. And we actually, we did that. I think we had like three or four returns all year. That was it. And of course, one of them was a touchdown because we didn't have our starting gunners. in. Um, special teams coach got ripped for that one. So basically we had our script, we had our script and for me to balance it out, you know, our special teams coach, who's now the special teams analyst for West Virginia, did a great job of structuring us and keeping things in line and in order. We had our periods of punt and field goal with the team. And then we had our periods on the side to where we work separately. So my whole Stony Brook career was, was very interesting, how it started and how it progressed. Freshman year, um, and it's a combination of immaturity, and we all go through it. We learn it. It took me a couple of years to get, you know, get my act together uh, from being a hothead and kind of, you know, this invincible feeling to like, hey, this is real deal stuff now. I got to mature it up. Um, so I was the primary field goal specialist, basically from 30 yards and out, primary kickoff specialist. And the main reason was my operation time was atrocious. It just was something that was never talked about with me ever. And just like a lot of times you see today, when you work on it, you don't see anyone putting an emphasis on operation time. So I went into college thinking the one five was going to do, was going to be great. And I was supposed to be their guy doing everything, but the operation time shot me in the foot. So that was something I had to work on, I had to work on my maturity. I had to work on my operation time. It took a couple of years, but for the first two years, I was, I was a field goal specialist from 30 yards and out kickoff specialist. And then by the time junior and uh, senior rolled along, I handled everything. So, like I said, it's, it's you know, I, I try to tell kids, you got to have patience, you got to learn, you got to understand, and you got to know what they want going into these things. So it was an interesting, interesting four years. But again, um, I, I try not to have any regrets. Do I wish I knew that information going back? Absolutely. Or do I wish I was more mature about it? Absolutely. Um, but you learn. We've come across this subject a lot it's it's it comes in many different forms but we, we talk about this often is how far we've come as a special teams community i think the kids now they know these things like like op time and weight distribution and stance and how that can have an effect on it and just the nonverbal communication between a holder and, and a kicker and and, and all these, these these it's a crazy crazy amount of information that i don't really want to just to spill out right now but what i'm trying to get at is I think that, yeah, we, we really were thrown in the fire because it's evolved a lot since then, right? We, we've learned a lot, and I think that we've gotten better. The coaches have gotten better in preparing us for, like, what the major expectations are. Like, I like that your coach said, listen, I need a 40-yard flip of the field. I need this hang time. At least you had an end in mind, and I think that, like, the generation prior to me, they just wanted you to be a good kicker and they didn't know what that meant or, or what it took, but they threw you out there because you kicked at the ball and usually it was a soccer ball, the furthest. And they hoped it would translate, but I, I think we have come a long way. And I love what you said too, about this op time and the evaluation of specialists, if you will, talking about your coach, who's now an analyst. I talked to these guys all over the country and it, it, it surprises me 
that in the evaluation process that sometimes a kid is getting an offer based off a star and he got the star based off kicking exclusively off sticks with no hang time involved with no snap and hold mind you those are like three or four of the five components of a field goal and you're going to offer off two of them i don't know doesn't sound very good to me so i love what you said and i really really strongly encourage people listening especially the specialist to train right like you're playing and that's one thing that stood out to me when i met you at one-on-one kicking years ago the one thing that really stood out to me because i try to I try to bring as many people in my life that have new creative ways of thinking as I can, especially when it comes to kicking. And you always had that approach of bringing pressure, right? Whether it's screaming in someone's ear or throwing a a pool noodle at them, you know, whatever it may be, you're trying to throw this guy off and make the conditions as hard as they possibly can, because there's nothing harder than going into a game, realizing that I'm going to win or lose this game right here on this rep. Um, that's difficult. And it's hard to simulate that in practice, unless you find creative ways for adding pressure. So I'm going to get to my question here. How did your perception of specialists change and special teams for that matter, after making the transition from playing to coaching? You learn a lot just from experience in general, as you know, you learn from your successes and failures. You learn about what worked for you as a person, what worked for you as a coach what works for you, what didn't work for you as a person or as an athlete, what didn't work for you as a, as a coach. Um, I learned a lot of should haves, a lot of should nots. Um, my views, my experience changed my views and how I shape my coaching. Learning from our industry, learning from, and when I say learning from an industry, I mean the good and the bad. I see guys and it's just, it's just life. It's the way of life. This isn't a bash thing. It's just the way of life. There's people that are just okay at what they do. That's just life. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's just, that's just how life works is people that are okay at what they do. Um, there's people that are great at what you do. So you learn from both sides. Um, you learn from college coaches. Now that the college coaches are becoming so educated on the kicking game, when in the past, like we discussed, they had no idea what they're looking at. Now they know about the crunch. They know about jumping into the plant. They know about getting energy downfield versus sweeping or cutting, right? They know these things. They're now asking to see a snap hold in operation. They don't want to see sticks. They don't care about results on paper. Hey, we're going to send you the charting results. They don't care. They want to see what you do as an individual. Um, again, I learn from my successes and failures. I try not to take that, that cookie cutter approach. So everything I've learned, I try to shape what I do as a coach and how I handle things with my kickers, both on and off the field. How do I handle things with them psychologically? How do I prepare them there? There's a, there's a lot. It's not just head down, follow through anymore, man. It's, it's not changing your tempo, whether it's a 20-yard kick or a 50-yard kick, keeping your tempo the same every time, not leaving too fast, not leaving too slow, leaving when the left hand leaves to go catch the snap. It's, it's finishing your kick. It's not picking your eyes up so fast because you see the rush coming and you're nervous. It's constant. It's, it's learning from all that that just takes that individual to the next level. And that's what you want to do. It's more, again, it's, it's honestly more than head down, follow through. If I hear one more time, a kid be told, oh, you missed it. Cause you never know, head down, follow through. No, <laughs> no. How he's, his left arms, a damn windmill, his counter arms scooping under causing him the crunch, whatever it might be. Um, 
but I've learned a lot from my experience. I've learned a lot from folks like you. You've been you've been a tremendous help to me as a coach. Um, it's it's learning from others. It's learning from myself, and it's evolving. It's me evolving as I grow into this. And you know, I, I put a lot on myself. I do. If if I have a rough session with my kids, uh, it, it it eats me up. Like as a like I can't I can't leave knowing that I had a rough session on my part. Like I got to hold myself accountable too. So yeah, I mean you really could learn so much from everybody within this industry, including the college coaches themselves, especially as they, as they are, are more educated as we dive deeper into this kicking world. I think it's neat that you're, you're kind of like me in the sense that you coach how you ex- expect your players to act. Uh, what I heard you say was that you've gotten better, right? You, and you've gotten better through failing right? You, you fail forward, you get up, you brush off, you don't do it the same way. If it didn't go well, you do it a little bit differently and hope the results are better. And then you never shut it down. I feel like there's a lot of coaches I've met that they got a book on receiving or kicking or punting in the 1980s or 90s. And they've read that book several times and they can almost recite the book, right? Verbatim. And, and that's awesome. But things have changed. The games change. The game continues to change. Life changes. Uh, the, emergence of, the emergence of technology uh, forces everything literally to change at all times. And I think it's, it's, it's good and bad. Obviously, there's, there's positive and negatives, but you got to look at the bright side of things and say, you know, if I'm going to stay competitive in my industry, whatever it is, I've got to be okay with failing forward. I've got to change, you know, and it, it, with change comes mistakes. Um, and I, I just love what you said. And I think it's no different from our expectations of our athletes. If you're going to be complacent, if you're going to be okay with where you are today, someone tomorrow will take your job. I promise you it's just getting too competitive and everything. So, so thank you for that. And, and in relation to that, I'm going to talk about competing a little bit for the parents listening. I mean, the majority of people listening are parents of specialists or specialists themselves or coaches of specialists. So everyone's fully aware that they are these things these competitions, uh, these camps, if you will, um, kicking camps. And uh, most of them, you kick off sticks, you know, and uh, I want to kind of get into the questioning of, you know, kicking off sticks is different. Is it not than kicking on Saturdays off a holder's hand in front of thousands of fans? Um, so what I want to ask you is what is or what are, I should say, the few essential traits that a specialist must possess when he's transitioning to this major college football scene? I mean, we already know the obvious power, consistency, you know, um, you know, those physical traits and characteristics that we want. We know that that's that. I mean, I could just, everyone's going to throw that out there. We all want that. We all want the powerful leg and consistency, of course. But I, I prefer to discuss things like patience as a kicker, as a punter, being patient, having mental strength, preparedness, um, perseverance through adversity, work ethic, things like that. Like you're talking about sticks, right? I'm 34 years old and I could literally go to the field, put the ball on the 30 yard line, no warm up, throw on some cleats and slap down a 40 yard field ball. Okay. Put me in a snap hold, snap hold situation. It's going to be, it could, it could be a disaster. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm, there's no preparedness there. I haven't prepared. Right. Um, and that it goes along with the mental side too. It's going to be a mental disaster for me. If you throw me out there with snap hold situation and it, you're going to, your, your gear is going to be rolling mentally because you're, you're going to be nervous. So it's, it's a combo of all that. 
So you want the, you want those traits. You want those traits of being mentally tough, being prepared, having that, having those being known as someone that has that strong work ethic, someone that can handle adversity or, you know, persevere under adver- adversity. Um, like I said, going back to the sticks thing, I do what I do when I harp on it. And I really don't care if it's every post of mine that you see a snap hold of the Russian operation. And when I do that simulate with the soccer net, and the guys rushing with the noodles, because that's the closest thing I could get to game time. That's the closest thing that I can prepare my boys for game time is putting a, put them in a simulated situation. And I do it multiple ways. You just got it. We move it from hash to hash. We do it. We do a severe angle with a simulated snap hold rush to really make things uncomfortable. Um, we do a 10 second drill with it as well. I want my guys being, I want them being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's the idea. And I feel a lot of guys struggle getting to that collegiate level when they take that step that when a coach is in the air, like, all right, we're going to need you at a one, two, five, which is rare. It's mostly one, three and under. You will have coaches though that want you at a one, two, five. <laughs> and a lot of kids struggle with that. They're not prepared. And it gets back. That's, that's one of the big things there is preparedness. They're not prepared for it. And this isn't a knock on people, but I see it all the time. Kid, and I'm just saying people as a coaches, it's kids and coaches. You got to challenge yourself. You got to do something different. You, you can't be doing the same thing over and over and over and over because you're not going to grow. You're just going to plateau and get stuck. So challenge yourself. Prepare. Prepare appropriately. Don't just go to the middle of the field and kick off the sticks all day unless you're trying to fix something that's different. If you have a counterarm issue or a kick side arm issue or a plant issue, yeah, you're going to probably sit tight there for 30 minutes and really try to hash out the problem. But you're seeing a lot of failure, we'll call it, because the preparedness is lacking. And the ranking camps, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not big on those, especially because there's a plethora of them out there now. And as you know, in my opinion, there's only one or two that even matter. Mm-hmm. The rankings, like I said, they, they give you a good gauge where a kid stands, but it doesn't tell you the whole picture. Doesn't tell you how many kids I've gotten in the top 10 in the past 12 years to come to one of my sessions and I put them in the, the soccer net in front of them with a snap hole rush. They're like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this at all, but that's the idea. Let's get you, let's get you ready. Because by the time you go in there freshman year in college, you're going to be more than ready. I mean, that's what I did with uh, my two lane kicker. Never played high school football in his entire life. Never got him a walk on two lane. And all we did for a year was snap hole rush with the, with the um, rushers coming in. And the guy was starting week two, his redshirt freshman year. Never played football entire life, and he was a five-year starter. He's playing his last game this Saturday. Wow. So he was prepared. Think about going into Tulane with absolutely no snap hold work, just focused on sticks, private lessons only, sticks only. I genuinely don't think he's where he's at today. I think he, he is like, holy crap, what did I just get myself into? So – the preparedness is big. Like you got to think different in this world. Like it's not a cookie cutter approach anymore. If you want cookie cutter, that's fine. Go pay for it. But if you want, if you want to take that leap and you want to stop plateauing and getting stuck, start challenging yourself. It doesn't have to be with me. It could be with anybody. Challenge yourself. Don't just go out there and kick straight. Chart yourself. Put yourself in a severe angle drill. Kick into the wind, not with it 24-7. Challenge yourself. I like what you said about patience. Uh, because if you don't have patience, right, you, 
you're giving yourself a very, very slim chance of success when it comes to kicking, because like you mentioned with the plant sidearm issue or, or something you want to focus on, you could focus on something for, for a good two hours and, and maybe not get any, anywhere with it. And that's part of it, right? That's, I guess that's, you could call it failure in short term, but you probably will come out the next day and realize 8,000 things you're not going to try to do because you've already tried those things. And to me, that's progress. And then you mentioned um, preparedness, right? And I think that that's kind of where I wanted to go next with it anyway, was we are fast approaching the off season. Okay. And um, I, I meet a lot of new faces soon, yes. you know, kids that either they're, want to take things seriously for the first time going into their sophomore juniors in high school to, I want to be an all conference performer in college. I'm going to come fly to see Lundy when it's cold up here. Um, but I like to ask people like you, what would your suggestions be to a specialist, whether he's good, great, or brand new to this, how could you help them to create or adjust an off season training plan that would assure positive change? So I'm not going to get into like a detailed step-by-step plan. The reason why I say that is in my opinion, my opinion, it might be yours too. It's individualized. Everyone. Mm -hmm. And I work, I work hands, hands on with my kids. That's just me. Hands on. I talk to them frequently, weekly, daily. Um, The guys hit me up too much, but that's okay. I tell them to Um, the plan itself. When you, when you schedule a plan, in my opinion, it's very individualized. You're going to cater to someone's needs based on what they what they need, what their schedule's like, what their life is like at home, things like that. So I'm not going to get into too much of that. We already know there's got to be structure. What days am I kicking? What drills am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. But again, to me, that's individualized. I work with my kids individually on how to set that plan up. Okay. Um, some may need a schedule based off kicking and punting. Some may just want to do kicking. Some might be nursing an injury to where we got to be a little lighter. So again, everything's individualized, but in the off season for me, I'm very big on that, that this is the time of year where you're allowed to be super technical and detailed, right? We're not going to be detailed probably between, I don't know, July and, you know, November, December, depending on when the season ends for each individual. Um, the reason why I say that is if I'm really trying to hash out a plant issue, like if I'm really trying to be nitpicky in the middle of the season, I can do way more harm than good. Way more harm than good. It's different if you're in the middle of the season, like, all right, bro, we got to, we got to, we got to just clean up the crop a little bit, you know, shoulders back, pinch, whatever terminology you want to use. In the off season, that's where I get nitpicky. That's where I get detailed. That's where I harp on one thing at a time. I'm not big on, and some people like this, all right, we got, we got to fix six things. We're going to do it all today. You can't do that possible. You can't fix a kick side, a, a kick side arm issue and a, and a plant side arm issue at the same time. It's very difficult. Some might, some might, but I like to focus on one thing at a time. So that's where I get real detailed. You're talking film breakdown. We're going we're gonna to go from film breakdown. We're going to go from head to toe and see what we need to really harp on and focus. We look at everything from, from that head placement, posture in the stance, finish, arms, legs, plant, backswing, finish swing. Where are you landing off on your plant spot? So I'm looking at the details. I'm sitting down with the individual virtually probably because a lot of my guys are all over the place or they come down here and quote unquote the lab and we sit in front of the big screen and really hash it out. Um, So it's the time to be detailed. It's the off season for me is the time to really lock in and hone in on every little specific that you want to fix and clean up. 
because it may take a week or two to, it, we're, we're, we're dealing with muscle memory and you know how difficult muscle memory is to do. I mean, you play golf, you've kicked before. It's just, it's our, that's what our body is used to. Our body used to one thing, right? So we have to break that muscle memory. It's going to take a couple of weeks to fully break it because it always comes back. I've seen it. I fix kids counter arm or plant side arm, right? They get rid of the windmill. They're like, all right, coach, I got this. And then three days later, because it wasn't enough time, they're back to doing the windmill. So now we got to, we got to hash it out again. So again, I like to give it almost like a two week window. I like to say, listen, this is our main focus. We're going to focus on A and B first for about two weeks, lock it in. Let's, let's break the muscle memory and fix it. And then after that two weeks, we could get the B uh, to C and D and start making that adjustment. So in terms of that, for someone I want to break down, you know, I'm doing things like that. You know, if you have more advanced guys that, you know, look borderline perfect, maybe this is a time for some psychological work. Maybe this is a time for just discussing certain things, maybe just making very small adjustments. Maybe this is the time you're to really start challenging yourself. Maybe your form is just beautiful, solid. It's not much we have to do. So let's just work on specific drills. Um, so that's, you know, it's something I, I try to look at there. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to get yourself too confident either to where you're like, all right, I'm perfect. I don't, you know, I, I could just go out and kick, challenge yourself, chart, accuracy drill, you know, work the snap holds. Maybe you don't got to do like the simulated rush as much. Maybe just get a feel for the snap holds. And of course, a solid workout program. Make sure you're in the gym. Make sure you're working on your hip mobility. Make sure you're working on your stretching. Make sure you're taking care of your body appropriately. Um, and like I told you earlier, I, I do like guys taking off for a little bit. Take off a couple of weeks. Let your body heal. Let your body recover. You may, you may be having something that could sneak up on you in two days that you're not aware of. Now you got a strain, you know, a strain hammy. And you just you could have prevented it just by giving yourself some time to relax. You nailed it. I mean, there, you nailed everything. You said everything I wanted you to say, and I, and I hope it was heard even by one person. And where I want to go with that is, is saying that compartmentalization is key. I think that you need to get away from uh, having a Monday, Wednesday, Friday script and just do it to the script each time just for the sake of doing the script. I think that's when burnout begins. I think that's when kids start saying, oh, I don't need to do it today. I'm, I'm good. Well, you might, you very well might be good at that particular workout, right? Because you know every single second of that workout, but try mixing that workout up. Try and, you know, do the inverse of the workout. Start deep, go shallow, go hash, go severe angle. There's just so many ways to, to challenge yourself. And I don't think anyone should ever say, I think I've made it. I think I'm an expert in this kicking thing now. Because I think that's the... That's when you invite others to come in and take your job. I've seen it happen before. The complacency sets in. I, I'm, I'm on top of the hill. Um, you'll fall off that hill. You know, someone's going to push you off that hill. Uh, if, if, if you don't work, you got to earn it every single day. And I want to I want to just kind of finish on what you said by by saying what really irks me is the lack of use of technology on a football field. I am stunned even at my college guys that you know i don't see them for a couple months because they go away to school they come back and they've lost the habit of filming oneself like your cell phone should be fully charged before you leave to go kick or punt or snap and if you don't have someone there with you that day you need to be a master of propping that thing up on a fence post on a shoe 
play with the angles, but the purpose of me and what I do on social media, especially on Twitter. Now, those videos aren't to show you how good my kids are. Those kids are to show you the angles in which to see yourself make changes from, you know, I think it's very important to do it from the correct angles. I think the backside target line angle, the one we all are used to seeing, that's a great results oriented angle. And it's more so for coaches to see if you're making the kick. I don't think it's a very good technical angle. I really don't. I think there are several others. And I'm happy to, to address that if someone's listening, they want me to send them something, just, just holler at me. But that's the purpose of my visuals on Twitter is I want to show off all these really unreal angles I wish I ha- I'd have had. You know, I had to wait for my film to come on Saturday on a VHS, but uh, I'm an old guy. So I have a a hypothetical for you. Uh, We're on Zoom right now recording, but let's pretend that we just open this Zoom meeting up, okay, to the entire high school specialist community. That would be like what class of 22s who are graduating all the way down to 25s. And shoot, we just invited the 26 eighth graders. And we're going to talk about recruiting. Okay. And our host tonight is Luke Gaddis. Luke Gaddis, what would you tell these young men that are about to jump into this meeting and you have a minute or two to talk about recruiting and what the expectations should be? Go ahead. Right off the bat, I'm going to say what I said before, and I swear by it. Like, I can't stand it that people don't listen to this, this phrase or comment or quote, whatever. Go where you are wanted. Do not go where you want to go. Okay, that's not to say it's not going to work. We've had it. Just told you the story about the Tulane kicker. He wasn't wanted. We made we we made him get in there. We made it happen. You know, he showed up and and balled out of the camp. He wasn't wanted. It happens. You you may be able to pull it off. Majority of the time, I seen I seen way too much stuff. Way too many things go wrong. I seen kids go where they wanted to go in the class of you know eighteen. They haven't even attended college yet. They're a senior in, in high school. Right. And then the June camp happens at, we'll say, you know, Ohio State University. And they just offered a kicker a scholarship. So now you have preferred walk on. And I got, I mean, there's so many different examples, but go where you want it. I don't care if it's Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One. Take it all serious. You don't know. You guys don't know how good and how wonderful college football is. I don't care what level it is. You will never have a better four years of experience in your life than college football. It is the absolute best. Three, I have kids that have gone Division Three and have loved every second of it. I've had kids go with Division One and not like every second of it. Don't judge it off that. Your ability is your ability. We all have Division One aspirations and goals. I totally understand that. I did. We all did. Some get to live it, some don't. But live college football. It's the biggest fraternity you'll ever be a part of. It's 90-plus friends for the rest of your life. It's an unbelievable experience. Go where you want it. And also, don't turn down these D2 and D3s because the Division II coach you're talking to, who's one of the best coaches in the country for the last eight years, just took a job at a Division I university two months later when the season's over, and now he's recruiting you at the Division I program. I, 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 the recruiting end, I've been, do, I've been dealing with the recruiting end for over 10 years. I may not be the best. People like what I do. I have over 500 contacts in my cell phone of college coaches, and I got great relations with these guys. And you can tell when someone's wanted and when they're not, you know, the big thing with recruiting, yeah, Twitter is huge. Sending out emails is huge. That's all big. 
The biggest thing is if you go look and see all these kids who have offers and, and commitments, you know where they got those offers and commitments? The university camp they performed in front of the coach. Yes. They went to university. Yes, I, I totally get it. The ranking system, the main one, the main ranking system is great, right? You get yourself in the top 20, top 25, that's huge because it's going to put you on their radar. That ranking is not going to get you that scholarship. It's not going to. By you going to the university, that's going to get you that scholarship by you performing. Listen, we've had, there's been guys, the number five kicker in the country goes to the university camp. Yeah, he's number five in the country. Didn't have a great performance in front of the university coaches. And guess what? No scholarship. Great. You're ranked number five in the country. That's awesome. But you didn't perform in front of us today. We're going to go to the guy who did. Or you could be Sean Nuremberger at Ohio State University, who's now a national champion, a multi-record holder at Ohio State, who had zero stars, zero rankings, went to Ohio State's university camp in 2013. I charted him, watched him absolutely dominate and destroy it. And he earned a scholarship because he was the best guy there. So the recruiting thing is, it's it's not easy as a kicker. It's really not, especially this transfer portal. This transfer portal is going to make things very difficult for high school kids. It is, unfortunately. It's, it's just, it's just going to get tough for guys. But the, the big thing is, is performing, performing in the universe. Yes. If you're not, if you're sitting at top 25, that's, that's, there's going to be benefits there. Absolutely. There'll be benefits there. Um, there's really only one, there's only one rankings camp anyone should be going to. I know there's a bunch out there and I, I always tell my kids, just if, if you're a stud, go to the cold ranking camp. That's the one you go to. That's the one. That's the only one anyone's paying attention to. That's the one ESPN uses. You get on the coach's radar. And then, but you still have to go to the university camp and perform. You still got to perform in front of the coaches. How many guys have we seen sit in the top five and top 10? And they go to the university and, and unfortunately they don't perform as well. And they don't get the scholarship. I get it. It's tempting. It's tempting to like, but you, I mean, you do get offers too. People do get offers based on the rank. It has happened, but I would say 95% of the time, especially in today's world, um, in the recruiting world, those coaches want to see you perform at a university camp. They're, they're honestly quite tired of offering scholarships to kids they've never seen before. I love that answer. And I would just want to, I guess, say it in a different way. And I, I, I say this all the time to my parents um, who are torn between the PWO or an in-state walk-on. And sometimes they're very tough decisions, you know? I tell parents all the time when it comes to recruiting and they're like, well, we, we're trying to get a feel for this coach and, yada, yada, and, 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 and all these things. And it's a lot of smoke. It's a lot of gray area. And it's intended that way because they really don't want to disclose their choice because they don't know what their answer is yet. They're, they're trying to make the right choice and they're trying to utilize and exhaust every resource. They're trying to talk to you. They're trying to talk to me. They're trying to talk to whoever ranked them at at a kicking camp. And, And they're taking all of these considerations in. Right. But what parents need to understand is one camp one camp's performance and one star, I would never in a million years having to feed my kids. Say I was a coach at uh, Florida Gators right now, and a five-star fell in my lap, and the AD was like, hey, get him. He's number one in the country. You better believe I'm going to study him, and I'm going to go find five guys that I think are comparable, and then I'll make that decision. Because if I lazily go ahead and just go after the first person that, that falls to my doorstep because of someone's opinion, right? It, it is my fault if he doesn't pan out. And they don't pan out all the time. No, it, because, happens. Right, it happens all the time. So I think you're starting to see hesitancy with college coaches and then, and then taking a little bit more pride 
in making this very important decision. This is going to be the leading score in our team for the next four years, or he's not, Yeah, you know? So I really appreciate what you said. And um, I just want to thank you. Uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to everyone at fourth down focus that you were able to share your story. I'd like for you to, uh, I guess, is there a way that people could reach you? Should they have a follow-up question? They could both Twitter, which oh my God, what is my Twitter handle? Um, <laughs> one, on one, I think it's at, at one on one NJ NYPA or on Instagram, one on one kicking underscore Northeast. You could, you could get me there. Um, you could email me Luke at one on one kicking camps.com. Again, one on one's all spelled out just so everyone knows. Um, I, I, I mean, been doing this for a while. I love talking recruiting. I do. So I, I could talk to you guys about that. That's a big one, especially for parents. Um, it's a lot of money pits out there. So you know, I enjoy yeah, it's different. I, I really do. This isn't a full-time job for me. This is a kicking's a therapy for me. Coaching's a therapy for me. It's my way when I'm on the field, when I'm talking recruiting, when I'm talking to parents, I'm not thinking about anything else I could have the worst stress going on in my life. When kicking's involved, it takes me out of it. My two things, the gym and coaching take me out of my element and put me in a whole different element that I could just enjoy. So I, I love talking about this stuff. So anyone wants to reach out, don't hesitate. I talk to people all over the country. I've done film reviews, recruiting stuff for people over the country. I'm just, you know, here to help. That's why I brought you on, man. I'll bring you back on. I, I really appreciate the time you spent with us today. And if you can uh, listen to this show, please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend. If you have any questions related to the podcast or suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. My Instagram and Twitter are at fourthdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me by su- simply searching Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 has treated each of you very well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.